0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach and a Highland Games athlete and powerlifter, and I run strength Guild in USSF.
2: And this is John Mike. I'm finishing up my Ph.D. in exercise phys. I can luckily say I'm about a few months out from being finished. I write for major fitness and bodybuilding magazines, and I love blueberry pancakes.
3: (laughs) Uh, Nice. This is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm an exercise physiologist. Uh, teach and run my own business.
0: Right on! Hey everyone, Mike, uh, Dr. Nelson is coming to us from the road, so if he sounds a yeah. little bit distant, so discipline, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's
3: right. Off to a conference in Alexandria. So,
0: yeah, that's yeah. oh, cool. Uh, we are going to share some listener mail in some news, uh, and then we're going to get to the topic of the day, which is about. America's, maybe the world's obsession with uh body fat. Um But anyway, let me just start with a couple of the feel-good pieces here. This first one, uh Fortress sent me, this is from Joe, uh here in Ohio. He said, I've been listening to you guys for several years now. I'm seventy years old and find your advice rock solid. Uh, I thought you might enjoy the attached cartoon, which I'm showing below. Keep up the great work. Uh I, I work out when I'm listening to your podcast, keeps me going after all these years. So you know what? I'm I'm very flattered by that. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. I mean, when a guy who's 70, you know, been around the block, when a veteran tells you he feels like he, the show is rock solid, that mm-hmm. makes me feel good. Um, <laughs> let me just quickly give you a synopsis of the cartoon he sent. This is the old BC cartoon from the newspapers, you know, with the cavemen and whatnot. And this guy says... Thor's gotten into shape. And the other guy says, yeah. And then the first guy says, maybe he's into CrossFit. And Uh. then the other guy said, he's not. And the first guy says, how can you tell? He said, he spoke three full sentences without mentioning it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thanks for that, Joe. And then we got one from Matt. Uh, Matt's an exercise uh, physiologist. Now Uh, he says, hello, Fortress and uh, Dr. Lowry and Phil. I'm a long time listener And former student of Dr. Lowry's at Winona State. Since listening over the last three or four years, I've added hundreds of pounds to my lifts and used the information in the podcast from all three of you guys to help the clients I train. One of the biggest things I have learned from you guys is I don't have to be just one discipline of weight trainer. Uh, I'm simply just a guy who likes to be strong and muscular, uh, strong first. Anyway, I figure I better be a little legit, so I did an APF bench-only meet. <laughs> we were just talking about bench-only yep. meets, but uh, here in Illinois that benefited autism. Oh, good on you, Matt. Um, and finished first in the men's raw open uh, nice. in the 242 class. He says, although nice. I only weighed 226. Um, he had a 374 bench. Which is oh, bench. nice. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, Please keep up the great content. Uh, I hope to hear from Fortress again soon. I love what he has to say about some of the psychology and motivation, Matt. So, cool. It is tough, you know, to get out there. And I think charity is actually a great excuse, you know, for someone who needs that barrier dropped, like, to actually go compete. You know, go do it for charity. Then you're guaranteed to win. I mean, you know, it's a charity thing. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of uh, science news then. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Mike, you're going to appreciate this. We've talked about this before, and you know more about this than I do, actually, Dr. Nelson. It says, uh, no need to starve to get fasting's immune benefits. So this is from 19 February 2015 by uh, Michael Cizak. Uh I got this from New Scientist. Uh, it says, uh, dieting and hitting the treadmill—is that no fun? You might be able to enjoy some of the benefits without the hassle. Now, I sort of—I'm already disagreeing with this guy a little, but <laughs> but but he makes a good point. Basically, he talks about you know very prolonged exercise, especially in a fasted state, or if your your body is basically in starvation mode, that can actually help. This sort of intermittent fasting uh, can actually help immune function and whatnot. And it says. um Uh, When starved of glucose, the body uh, can make an alternate shape of chemical called ketones. And, of course, we've touched on this before. uh, To find out if one of these uh, suppresses inflammation, this guy Vishwa Dixit from Yale School of Medicine uh, doused human immune cells with different ketones. And he actually found that the one that works, so to speak, for anti-inflammatory and some of the immune-boosting effects is beta-hydroxybutyrate. So according to uh, this Dr. Dixit, that's the magic one. Um, Of course, there are other ketones, but it says other ketones produced during fasting had no effect, suggesting that beta-hydroxybutyrate is responsible for lowering inflammation. Next, he tested the chemical on mice, injecting uh, what he's called, the article calls BHB into mice uh, that were genetically engineered to have an autoimmune disease, and then he compared it to control animals, And he actually found some of the benefits of fasting or exercise uh, just by having the presence of the ketone uh, in the bodies of the animals. So now apparently they're trying to study this in in more detail because, of course, ketones related to diabetes and, you know, there's implications for heart disease, multiple sclerosis. There's lots of other things. But I just thought it was interesting. And, again, it made me think of uh, you, Mike, because... Uh, we are talking, God, a couple of months ago about this, right, about there's different ways to, I mean, you could get a nutritional ketosis by not eating carbohydrates, essentially, right, or fasting, but also supplementing, right, or or taking a ketone drug.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that's, uh, so a couple of things on that, I think, you know, I've been a proponent sort of intermittent fasting for quite a while, the The hard part is in the the fitness community, people tend to drop the intermittent and it turns it into like everyday fasting and obviously that's not the goal. But I think you want the ability to be able to go without having to eat every couple hours. That doesn't mean that you're going to start starving yourself or anything like that. You just, I think, want the ability to use fat as a fuel source when you can. Um, Yeah, and with the ketones, it's very interesting. You can actually buy a ketone supplement now that's basically a beta-hydroxybutyrate salt. So literally by ingesting it within you know, 15, 20 minutes, you can get your beta-hydroxybutyrate levels to a level that was only seen in prolonged fasting or prolonged ketogenic diets before. So yeah. I think coming up this year and next year, it'll be very interesting to see you know where that goes and, both for performance and possibly for health and other reasons,
0: too. It's cool to borrow things from the clinical world because, you know, like, for example, in dietetics, uh, ketogenic diets have been used for different neurological disorders for for years. Yeah, exactly. And um, I don't know. It's a neat idea that it's not the fasting, but it's a substance, right? And, of course, listeners that aren't familiar, ketone bodies are partly broken down fats. You know, you're mobilizing fat to the extent that you can't, oxidize it all you can't burn it all away in your mitochondria so you end up with these partial breakdown products and one of the one of the three is beta hydroxybutyrate and it's just amazing to me that the fasting is just sort of the the stimulus but the product that your body makes to think that you could take that as a supplement and get like immune benefits or anti-inflammatory benefits that's uh, clever i don't know it's clever
3: okay yeah, it's it's very interesting
0: um, next up, I have why exercise and diet changes may not be enough to treat obesity. So this is from the Lab Roots website and LiveScience.com, February 11th, uh, 2015. It says, yeah, I saw that actually. Did you? Yeah. yeah. it's This is a sort of a debate. I'm not sure I'm going to drop any huge knowledge bomb on everybody, but this could be something you guys might want to comment on. It says to treat people who are obese, doctors need to move beyond simply telling their patients to eat less and exercise more. And uh, although, c- of course, that's true, you know, I've always said it's, it's not the theory, it's the practice, you know, but it says when people, you know, when they die, basically they go into starvation mode, you know, the body thinks it's starving, uh, says uh, Christopher Ochner, assistant professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at the uh, Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, probably butchering the way I'm saying that, but... Um, Basically, he was saying that, you know, the body has redundant mechanisms not to lose fat once it acquires it, right? Because, of course, through evolution, the only reason people would lose lots of weight would be during periods of famine, um, disease maybe, you know, that sort of thing. So we have these redundant mechanisms, and some of the, the researchers in this article are saying we need to really focus on biological, not behavioral treatments for obesity, such as drugs and surgery. Uh, yeah, but it.
2: how's that working
0: for everybody? See, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? This is, and again, you're going to see two sides as I read through this. It says um, doctors should more often consider prescribing obesity medication or recommending surgery in conjunction with encouraging patients to change their lifestyles. And then, now again, that's controversial. I get it. This guy's saying it's hopeless. Just get people on meds and surgery, you know.
2: Yeah, but the, the thing is, Lonnie, I and mean, you, you, you know as well as I do, what, what, and I, I don't totally. I somewhat I see what they're saying, but I, I I disagree for the most part because when they come out and say these things, the, people that read these articles they say, "Oh my gosh, it's um, almost impossible to really lose weight. It's I'm, you know I'm just I'm there's no hope. I'm just helpless, and they end up doing nothing, and then they get gain more weight over time. I mean, the reality is. Losing weight and keeping it off—the kind of two sides of the same coin, right? I mean, it's 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 not extremely easy, but it's not extremely hard either. But I think the drive-by media hysteria, you know, just make makes things really hard. Um, for the average person to to really lose weight and really keep it off right because they don't really there's there's so much misinformation they don't really know what to do so if almost from a psychological perspective they do nothing
0: <laughs> Yeah yep now this says um Dr. Pieter Cohen from Harvard um he's basically talking about how difficult this is but it says Cohen says he does not prescribe weight loss drugs to his patients uh, because there's not enough long term uh, data, You know, he's not satisfied that they're effective enough in the long term. Uh, so he's sort of uh, disagreeing, I guess, you know. Um, and then, of course, the, the article goes on to talk about how lifestyle changes can be healthy regardless of whether or not you lose body fatness. And that's a good point. You know, I actually know some people who exercise fairly regularly. Uh, I'm thinking of one who's actually a, a professor of exercise phys, overweight uh, person. Uh, But she is undoubtedly healthier because she does exercise. I mean, is she in training, serious training for something? Not necessarily, but I have no doubt that she regularly trains. And, again, there's anti-inflammatory and cognitive benefits and blood flow benefits. And, I mean, there's an enormous amount of uh, benefits, Uh, cellular changes and adaptations, of course, strength, nervous system. There's lots of things that can go on, uh, whether she's actually losing pounds or not. Right. So it's a good point in here that lifestyle can be beneficial uh, regardless. Uh, and it says the experts do agree, though, uh, that really when it comes to obesity, prevention uh, is the key. And I guess that sounds obvious, but I can tell you I've been to conferences before. I remember watching. Um, oh, Frank and Victor Catch uh, gave a lecture once and um, it was a little bit depressing. I mean, they made it look like once people were very over fat, they could lose it temporarily. But it would almost always come back, you know, because as they start to refeed and that sort of thing, they'd get they'd awaken these pre adipocytes, you know, these baby fat cells. They'd end up with fat cell hyperplasia and yo-yo dieting, you know, where each diet is less effective and the weight gain is even worse. Uh, And they were sort of concluding that biologically, we just got to keep it from happening. But for me. That's unacceptable because what about right. people who enter this because of society and John? Kind of what you're saying. A lot of the things in this obesogenic society. Um, what do you tell the people that are already far too over fat? You're screwed. You know yeah. that's not cool either. A- anyway, so yeah, it's an interesting they debate. The
2: re- they don't go to the right people either. They just go to their regular medical doctor, who most of them don't know jack shit. <sighs> training or nutrition and they and they just say well just move more and eat less oh god well thanks a lot that really helps i mean
0: right and the problem is it's true but like i said in practice that's not going to happen right i mean in in fact i don't know if i mentioned this on the show the last week or two but one of the questions i actually ask incoming exercise physiology freshmen is uh we talk about energy balance and you know obesity and that sort of thing and I asked them, is obesity a personal choice? And at the freshman level, it really was in stark contrast this year. At the freshman level, 100% said, shame on you if you're over fat. It's entirely your choice uh, and that sort of thing. And then I, we would talk about, of course, some of the the social things, you know, this obesogenic environment that we're in. People, They have lots of reasons to stay up late, you know, convenience foods. There's sugar in almost everything you eat, no matter how much you try to avoid it, you know. I mean, you can't avoid it if you're Spartan, you know, in your values. But anyway, and then just, I swear, the next class period, I asked my seniors the same thing. Is obesity entirely a personal choice? Zero percent said yes. So there's this maturing period, I think, between, you know, the 18, 19-year-old freshmen and the 21-year-old seniors where I think by shadowing people and trying to, you know, let's face it, you work with a, a client, and you know, for weeks, and the weight loss is not as dramatic as you'd expect, and that sort of thing. You know, like a stubborn middle-aged client or something like that, where hormones and whatnot are just not on your side, and you know, the the results are much more modest than you hoped. You know, that's a sobering thing. You know, and you start to realize there's skills in the kitchen, and there's spousal support, and there's can you afford a gym membership? Are there sidewalks in your town? You get my point. And, you know, the food industry is about profit. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more to it. And again, uh, I think my freshmen were almost offended that I was suggesting there's a lot more to this. Uh, And I said, listen, I'm not being an apologist, you know, that everybody should be obese, not at all. Um, But it's a it's a stickier picture than you think. And again, anybody who works with someone in weight management, it's very tough. You know, it's very tough.
3: I always reminded of the Dr. Stu Phillips comment. He was on a podcast. You can find him back at some episodes. Um, but he was saying that, you know, telling an overweight um, person to move more and eat less is like telling a depressed person to have a nice day.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's yeah.
3: correct. But is it really that effective? No. Yeah,
0: I really. remember when he said that. That's now. great. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: Phil did you have uh, any news Before we go to the break No I mean I, we could just mention the camp You know it's in one one week And should be a good time it's sold out So um, look for another one So we'll yeah. have updates on that
0: Yeah those are always fun And yeah. I, not to tease anybody if it's full <laughs> Nobody else can get in but <laughs> It's it's yeah that sort of um, Small team brotherhood Kind of thing going mm-hmm. on you know it, it's fun To do that you learn learn a lot of stuff And you go try new stuff and yeah, and that format that you've you've put together with the the mock competition—that's yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it should be a fun time. Okay, well, let's go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, obsessing over fat and have special deference, I think, to lifters. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now... Because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty nine US dollars. So that's thirty one percent off the ninety nine ninety five uh cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty nine dollars, I think that's gonna Drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, i just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us – We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook – Uh, That would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes –
2: Okay, we're back from break. Uh, John Mock here, Dr. Lonnie Lowry, Dr. Mike T. Nelson and Bill Stevens. Um, So today's topic, we're talking about uh, kind of what we touched on uh, a few minutes ago. We just live in this. Everybody is just obsessed with fat. And I don't mean necessarily from fat, from just like food, just fat in general um it's like obsessive like looks of fat we have all these you know shows out there and you know talking about you know everything from the biggest loser to you know extreme weight loss and makeover and um it, it, it's it's almost as like we've just we've focused solely on that um because and i and i get it i i understand the overwhelming majority of people um, are you know want to lose weight? They want to drop body fat. You know, while the minority of us, you know, us here on the show, want like to gain muscle and or you know lose fat. You know, throughout the year. But I, I think one of the one of the biggest problems with this is that it really gives you know people unrealistic expectations of, of what to really expect from body fat loss. And if you look at things like you know Biggest Loser, there's been about a half a dozen articles that have come out. You know, just in the last month of these sort of you know. Uh, previous contestants are doing this tell all thing about what really occurs behind the scenes and all the drastic and extreme measures that they take to lose weight and um, it really and on the surface, it gives the appearance that their methods, you know, you know, work and, and they may, you know, work for that short period of time, but the, the contestants on these shows, they almost like live like robots, right? I mean, they're, they're told everything about what to do, you know, what to eat, when to eat, you know, when to go to sleep, they don't have a lot of contact with, you know, their friends or their family. They kind of just live almost like semi prisoners, you know, in a sense. And, um, and, and, you know, that's kind of like the biggest loser. Then you have other shows like extreme home, you know, extreme makeover weight loss edition, which, you know, the, the, the individual follows the obese person along for a, a year and lives with them for several months out of the year. And, and, and then they show the, um, the result at the end of the show. And, you know, although that show was, you know, edited to be like an hour long and that, that, that stuff really occurs over a period of probably six months, you know, to at least a year. Um, but I think that we as a nation and as a society are just so obsessed with with fat. You have that one on one hand. Um, and then on the extreme, you have individuals that are competing for shows, you know, bodybuilders, you know, physique, fitness competitors, you know, bikinis, yeah, and on, on the other extreme, you have those that are like ten percent body fat, and they're still obsessive about losing body fat. So you have these two camps, right, on either extreme, and it, it's it, it's it's not realistic, and it's not really all that healthy. Um, So that's kind of what we're talking about today with with our topic.
0: Yeah. You know, John, it makes me think, I think it was Danny Shugart, her message is about focusing on building muscle, you know, in at least in part, the fat loss takes care of itself. It's just Mm -hmm. a much more positive outlook, I think, you know, it's focus on building, not breaking down. And I don't know, it just seems like a much better message. Now, is it true that adding more muscle mass Uh, Yeah, will boost your metabolic rate and probably make you lean over time? Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, Wolf's Lab, I've seen data of somewhere between like 6 and 13 extra calories per pound of muscle mass. It's not as high as you see on the Internet. There's a lot of these YouTube channels and websites that are completely lost. They make it look like it's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of calories a day, more that you burn – when you add a few pounds of muscle, it's not that much, but it could add up to around maybe a hundred calories a day or so, you know. And that's almost like a mild, uh, I don't know, twenty-minute treadmill session for some people, just because they have more muscle mass. So there is truth that more muscle, you know, leads to leanness, and maybe it's a maybe it is a better approach. Now, Phil, I know you. Um, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but you said uh, your daughter is in a sort of a situation that's. Yeah, that's, and I mean. We talk about this, and I, I
1: agree with Mike. I mean, our our society itself, it's like the economic structure. We have, like, two extremes going on right now, and there's not a lot of in-between. Um, but, you know, like, even my daughter's getting mixed signals. Like, we sent her to school, and we get a note back from school. She's seven now. We get a note back from school saying that her BMI is dangerously low, um, and, and she's too skinny. Because, I mean, she's rocking a six-pack. She's, she's a... Freaking very active little kid. And then at the same time, we take her to gymnastics, and she's coming home saying, you know, again, uh, she's rocking a sex pack. She's very active. I'm too fat. You know? oh, <laughs> and it's Lord. like, oh, God, let's not get that started. Right. You know? Yeah, that's so, dangerous. And, you know, and she was recently sick and, you know, had the flu and couldn't eat for like four days and then went to gymnastics. And then, of course, the, you know, her performance dropped way off. And then we're, the first thing we say is that, see, this is what happens when you, you, know, you can't eat. You know, so you need to eat. And, you know, our big thing is just luckily we can lead by example. And we have a lot of girls at our gym that, you know, she can look at. But it's like, man, we need to nip that in the bud now because that's a big deal. I mean, it's, it used to be more of a female problem. But you're seeing it coming in the male population, too, big time. People that have, uh, you know, eating disorders on both ends of the spectrum, really. Yeah, but, certain
0: ages, I think there's a special risk, you know, because yeah. as, for example, when kids start to – get a little bit older and maybe it's because of sports like in this situation but you know then there's sort of like the prepubescent ages where Mm -hmm. they start thinking about the other sex and that sort of stuff or when people go off to college their lifestyle changes yeah Yeah. these are vulnerable um, times to start getting mixed messages like that like you're too fat you know you're too skinny you're this you're that and it's just it's negative it's too negative i just
1: did not expect to hear this from a seven-year-old that is around two people that are like Eating is good. (laughs) Big thoughts are good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, type of thing. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, coming to the activity, you know, just move more, eat less thing. I mean, I think a big problem is, you know, from what I've seen is people make the mistake of, okay, I'm going to get in shape, and they try and change everything. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest thing I do when somebody walks in my facility is, you know, let's just start training. And let's make that habit. And what I've seen, you know, I had uh, one guy that come in and he was very overweight. And, you know, I was like, hey, do you want to talk diet? Nope, don't even want to talk about it. Okay, fine, let's not. You know, but now a year and a half later, he's markedly stronger. And then all of a sudden... He just – you know, he got the training down and he just decided – started changing diet on his own. Now he's lost like 50, 60 pounds.
2: Yeah, yeah. to add <laughs> on – yeah, to really add on to that, it's something I've always said. I mean most people, <clears throat> they have long-term goals but short-term minds. Yes. Okay. And uh, uh, another issue um, that, that kind of goes along with that is, you know, everybody wants results like next week, yes. in four weeks, in yep. six weeks. And, and for the most part, you know, you're right, Phil. Once they start training, okay – for even on a, on an acute phase they will start to see some results yes. but for for most people as time goes on they you know those 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 big drops in in you know body fat or adding muscle they come a lot slower mm-hmm. so when they're not really seeing those visually right then they start to kind of you know psychologically they start to kind of dwindle away they start to kind of give up hope and like oh my god i got i don't know what to do and you know they start plateauing and yes there's physiological mechanisms that go along with that um and then they and then what happens is Instead of just keeping and, and and being consistent, right? They they go to the extreme. They drop a bunch of they drop more calories. Mm-hmm. You know they do these extreme methods or you know saunas or they they want to just and they think they're just losing weight, but obviously in re- reality they're just losing lean muscle mass and they're mm-hmm. really not dropping a lot of body fat. You know so you know don't have you know a short term mind. Have a long term goal with long term minds. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Phil, that the guy that you spoke about. I mean. If it's true and what researchers are saying that, well, prevention is where it's at. And once you're really over fat, you're pretty stuck. you know. And, again, I don't entirely agree with that. But let's pretend for a minute that it's very, very tough to, let's say, get yourself to the point where you can see your abs once you weigh mm-hmm. 300 pounds you know, and you're obese. Then what that guy did in your gym is one of the best things that could happen is you could focus on what you can change and obese people can build a a shit ton of muscle mass and strength you know and go with the strength instead of trying to become something that is unlikely i guess and i think that's why
1: i've landed a lot of the people i have we're about the only gym that you can go to and walk in and i really i don't care what you weigh i don't i don't give a damn i'm gonna make you stronger and we're gonna have fun and if later on you say i want to lose a bunch of weight okay i'll help you you know but if you want to be 350 pounds and strong let's do that yeah. You know, and right. I'm not going to hound you about it. Yeah. you know, because you can still doing that is better than doing nothing. And we, and we can have fun doing it. And, you know, of course, I'm going to I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, hey, you'd probably be better. You know, your deadlift is going to be easier if you lose 50 pounds. But I'm going to tell you that. But I don't care if you
0: do it. Right. <laughs> and know? it's about the performance. So, it's not about some aesthetic, yeah. you know, like it's yeah. not some personal uh, value judgment about their physique. It's just like, yeah, hey, that would I, improve your performance.
1: If I give you freaking diet advice and you do great and then you fall off the wagon well okay so you fall off the wagon i don't care it's, you you got to live with
0: it you know? <laughs> right it's just a simple so, choice I'm you know too old to berate you about it you know i'm not gonna oh you're a bad person you know but right you know you know i think a lot of this is the performance and i know a lot of our listeners are about the strength and performance and it's not just the bodybuilding uh, part but i remember arnold once saying something along the lines of you know when you're out there on stage in your underwear that's you you know, and people are looking at you and you're kind of exposed, you know, and yeah. and there is that very personal thing. I mean, it's weird to be in front of a thousand people in your underwear, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, uh, where everybody's looking at you. It's different from the beach, you know, it's not it's not entirely the same. And there is that sort of more personal connection. And with performance, there's less of that sort of, I don't know, um, value judgment in a way, you know, don't get me wrong, people might say... Well, that was a weak lift, and not you know you don't want to look weak either. But it's it's somehow less hurtful, I guess, than yeah. you know what and I mean. That someone's saying you're you're fat and you looked really sloppy on stage.
1: Yeah, and I would say this oddly enough, though, you would be amazed. I mean, most of the people I ask to do a meet for the first time, it's not their lifts they're worried about; it's that they have to stand up in front of a bunch of people in a singlet. Exactly. Yeah. That there is you go. Just, and it. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> you know. They don't care that they're going to lose
2: Yeah, they're just starting.
1: It's the singlet,
0: and it's like, come on, man. Yeah, you know, the the idea that, you know, you're talking about just getting strong for a year or two, then stripping off some fat, that sort of feeds in line with the, I guess, the exercise physiologist perspective that training – does positive things to you, right? I think what the media does that pisses me off is they make exercise sound like anti eating. Mm-hmm. You know, how long do I have to jog to get rid of the bagel? Yes. You know, and that kind of stuff. And that is such bull crap because yes. the structures that you build, I mean you change, I tell you know students this all the time, of course you guys know this, but you change from a subcellular level all the way up. You know, yeah. you have more mitochondria. Your, you know, myofibrils, or everything is different. Your soft tissue, uh, your nervous system, everything starts to change. You know what I mean? So those are the kinds of things that really emphasize to me. I mean, you rebuild yourself. You know, from down at the cell level all the way up to structures that you can see. And to me, that's not just calorie burning, right? Not at all. You're rebuilding yourself. You're reinventing yourself. And, like, that guy that you worked with, you know what I mean, over that year, I mean, don't tell me that physiologically he's not, in many ways, a hell of a specimen, you yeah. know, after and he's that, trained his butt off. Exactly. And I just, I hate the whole, you know,
1: I ate like crap, so now I'm going to pay my penance with exercise. It's just, it's unhealthy and it's stupid. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I've had clients walk in, man, I really messed up this weekend. What can we do to burn off some extra college? Sorry, dude, your training's exactly the same. You know, it's not my fault you went and screwed up, you know. Right. If you don't want to do that, don't do it again. I'm not changing your training. Well, you, you know, like you said, extra it's
0: that circle, right? Of <laughs> guilt. You know, like I fell off the wagon. Shame on yeah. me. It, th- with diet, that's why I've always been a huge proponent of focus on the do's, not the don't. Right? Yes. Because what's yeah. good about exercise? It's a, it's a focus on the do's. Do yes. these lifts? You know, do change your technique, and with diet, it's the same thing. Like do eat more lean sources of protein. You know, if you're interested in weight loss, do eat more fiber and vegetables. You know that's the problem. Yeah, that's the
2: problem, Lonnie, that that the message that's coming across it's it's eat this, not that, do this, mm -hmm. but don't do that. It's like just focus on the things that you can do, right? Just the the positives. Right.
0: But not the don'ts like don't eat sugar, don't eat carbs, don't eat fats, don't don't don't. And then when you do you feel like a failure and, like, the, again, mm-hmm. then they go to Phil's gym. They're like, uh, I want to undo this. And yeah. it's like – but that's because you took a don't approach. So if you well, do fill up on the good stuff, uh, you don't
1: have to worry about the don't. Well, and also it's, a, it's a, a, a habitual thing. I mean I think training is a good gateway drug because if you, if you do it right, it can be very fun, much more fun than eating broccoli and chicken breast. So it's that first drug. It's like let's go have fun and lift some things up, and you see everybody else in my positive have feedback, fun. yeah. And then they they do that, and that's something new to them, something they never thought they could do. And now they're six months into that. Well, I I was able to do that. Maybe I can try this eat better thing, you know? Right. So they've nailed that one habit down, and now it's like wonder what happens when I do both of these habits at the same time, you know? And then right. they see even better progress. It's like oh okay, there's something to it, you know? They just took one, they stepped up one step. Okay, now let's take step number two. You know, and they start feeding each other, and I said, "Okay, maybe we'll add a little conditioning." You know, yeah, I like the idea of that. It's more fun, right?
0: Gateway drug, lifestyle gateway drug, because I can tell you, I've been jealous of strength coaches in the past because there's an immediate reward system. Yeah. You know, you pulled the weight off the floor or you squatted the weight, you know, whatever it might be, and you get a pat on the back, people are clapping. That's very rewarding. But with nutrition, you know, you don't have a little angel Dr. Lowry on your shoulder saying, Yay, you just <laughs> ate a dry chicken sandwich. You know what I mean? It's it's <laughs> yeah. There's no immediate reward, so you've got to have a lot of maturity. You know, in some ways maturity is you know, doing something again and again and again and again with a very, like you said, John, long-term goal. You don't get immediate reward along the way. You know, like today, Whoa. if I eat if I eat pristinely, I don't know. I didn't really get any immediate reward. I, I, um, I might have lost a little bit of pleasure. You know, because I <laughs> ate so strictly, maybe like on a competition diet. But I didn't really get any reward. The reward is four months hence. When I start to yeah. get lean enough to see it, you know
2: yeah yeah, exactly like that. I mean the, the, the gap between the initial strength and, and where the gap where the strength and nutrition are initially is it's, a, it's huge and as time goes on, I mean the gap kind of closes and closes right because and that's and that's another issue is that it's just what, what goes back to Phil said earlier. Everybody wants to do everything at one time. And I've told people, if there's, if there's 10 things that you need to work on, pick two of them and do them for six weeks, eight weeks. Okay, because it, it, it takes 28 to 30 days to, to, to build a pattern, to build that type of habit. And then once you get consistent with it, and you're more mature in your discipline, add in a third. And you'll be shocked and amazed that over time, then you've conquered all those things that, that you say that you need to work on, okay? And, and, and you can stick with it better, and and you have long-term goals, and, and you have and you're making progress.
0: You know, John, that's why those shows that you were just talking about are so offensive, because if those guys do live in a very... Uh, militant environment, you know, they're not learning to change their behaviors at all. They're just told to do this, told to do that. You know what I mean? They're no better off. They haven't really um, exercised uh, psychological uh, behavior change of their own because they're led by the wrist from every single point, you know. Yeah, Yeah, once
1: your drill sergeant's gone, you're done. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's why most Mm -hmm. of them, after the show, months later, they gain weight. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, I don't know, I mean, you see, I see that time and time again with my facility. I mean, we have this deal where 90% of the time, if somebody pays, they show up for month one, and they pay for month two, I've got them for at least a year. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, it's getting mm-hmm.
1: past, it's it's that month two, you know, and it's like, oh, they didn't come back for month two, they're done, you know, but if they come back for yeah. month two, I usually know I got them at least a year.
0: So, yep. Um, so in that way, I, you know, we've talked about how powerlifting in some ways is, a um, it's a lower barrier to entry because, like you're saying, Phil, you don't have to be a champion. I mean, it, it, you just add more weight to the bar. Anybody can enter at a certain level and progress. You know, well, yeah, and, the and progress is huge. And the, the obesogenic environment that we're in, it doesn't mean really rat's ass to you if you're just yeah. trying to build some muscle tissue. Like you said, I mean, you're clever. You take advantage of um, the high calorie meals on purpose you oh, know, yeah. that are all that's, around us. That's
1: one thing I, I talk about all the time. I mean, it is. It is easier for me here in the Midwest to make people strong than it was when I was in Arizona or California <laughs> because people here are not afraid to eat. And my biggest battle out there was not getting them to train, but they train for four hours straight if you asked them to. It's getting them to eat a freaking sandwich you <laughs> know, so, to right. support that train. Right. So it's two different views here. It's like, yeah, let's go hit the buffet. It's like, all right, let's train our butt off and we'll get strong. And, yeah, like you talk about the immediate feedback, there's not only – to be between diet and training, um, there's not only that immediate feedback of, okay, when you walked in the door, you had no clue how to squat. Now you can. It's been 30 minutes. Right. That's very immediate. Mm-hmm. But also, the, the short-term feedback is fast. Like, okay, you could squat 15 pounds last week. Now you can squat 30. Next week, you'll squat 45. You know, there's very quick short-term feedback in, in novice lifters. And they're like, wow, you know, I went from squatting my body to squatting 100 pounds in like four weeks yeah and I think I
2: know. that go along with that is and it doesn't really matter if, if they're novice or intermediate or even advanced individuals but the overwhelming majority of people they just don't know how to really push themselves mm-hmm. you know physically or even psychologically and when you get people like us to help them with that then they're like oh wait now I didn't know I could do this this is awesome."
1: <laughs> and that's also where I think the group atmosphere of like my gym even though you're not Like, a new person isn't going to come in and train directly with my more advanced people. They are in the same room. And they can look over there and say, oh, yeah, they're pushing a lot harder than me. Like, you know, I had a new guy come in. He started about four months ago. And one day about a month ago, it would have been his third month or whatnot, he showed up during one of my training sessions. And he's like, "Oh yeah, this is a lot more mental than I thought it was. You get in a whole different zone when you're training." He's like, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> so they get to see that too, you know, and and the different level that different people take it, and uh, you know, the new person gets to immediately see the person that's been doing it for two
0: years and and what they do and right that um, way they can how m- they approach it right model their behavior yeah you know because it's almost like getting. I mean, let's face it, feedback can be reward, but that's almost corrective feedback, but there's nothing negative about it because the person makes the judgment themselves. They're like, oh, yes. I should do it like that, yeah. you know, um, that sort of thing, or take some clues from that person to adjust their own behavior, yep. you know. So.
3: I just have one quick comment, too, that I think that the – like Phil was saying that – and John, you guys were saying that the training is the easiest way to show them small, sustainable progress that they can see – and I think obviously excluding the physiologic adaptations that are beneficial, I think the biggest part is over time that actually can shift their mindset to be more dynamic so that they, you know, like Phil is saying with the guy, yeah, I've, you know, trained for a year and a half. I've made all this progress. Now they're like, oh, well, if I apply the same idea to nutrition, wow, I, I can actually mm-hmm. do that now. Right. I think if you walked in on day one, it's a much harder. They don't have the sort of mental state or lack of a better word. They're not that flexible that they can apply that to nutrition concepts, I think, right away. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes you have to get their mindset to change before, um, especially with the nutrition stuff. In my experience, too, that's just a lot, a lot harder because there's not those small rewards. They can't see that change. There's not sort of the positive reinforcement and everything that goes along with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's almost like as if to say, "See, this shit really works." You yeah. know, it's a it's an immediate yeah. way to say lifestyle changes do pay off. Uh, yeah, and it, it's just much more immediate. And then yeah. yeah, they'll say, "Oh, maybe you know the diet stuff." Although I can it's not immediate. I, mm-hmm. I, I have I'm a believer now. You know, I believe yeah. that this this works. You know, mm-hmm. this stuff. So. Yep. All right. Good topic. Cool. <sighs>
1: Have a good weekend, everybody. I'm going to go eat some real Girl Scout cookies and go work them off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, about to get yep. So,
0: hey, listeners, have you seen the store at IronRadio.org? There are three halls. In the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Doctor Lowry. And they're thematic, so you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's. Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each Hall of Iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good uh knee sleeves wraps of some kind things that fortress uses in his own training uh the stuff you you see you know is good this way you don't waste time so check out the iron radio store at ironradio.org, and um let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in so thanks for listening